Welcome to the High Performance Health Podcast with your host, Angela Foster. The show where we talk about everything you need to break through limits and achieve a high performance mind, body and lifestyle. In today's episode, this is a little solo sode based on a lot of questions that I have been getting about how to improve sleep and specifically the effect of caffeine on sleep. Sleep is such a major issue in the modern world. And back in 2014, it was categorized by the Center for Disease Control in the US as a public health epidemic. Now, we all know that we should be getting around seven to nine hours of sleep per night. And yet we readily sacrifice our sleep for other things. In fact, we're the only animal known to actively delay sleep. It's certainly something that I overlooked as a lawyer in London, regularly working through the night and weekends, and it ultimately led to a cascade of my own health problems, starting with me initially suffering from multiple low-grade respiratory infections to eventually lowered adrenal function and then burnout and ending up fighting for my life with double pneumonia. I've since learned to really prioritize my sleep and my health and performance is so much more enhanced. If I said to you that there was a drug that could burn more fat and keep it off, increase your intelligence and concentration by as much as three times, anti-age you, making you both look and feel younger, give you limitless concentration during the day and improve your focus, your productivity and your creativity, protect your brain against cognitive decline, protect you against serious chronic diseases like neurodegeneration and diabetes. Question is, would you take it? Because that is exactly what sleep can do for you. And over the coming weeks, I would really like to break down sleep for you and the things that affect it. But to kick off in this week's episode, I want to explore the role of caffeine and sleep. It's all too easy to reach for caffeine when you're really exhausted But over time, you are likely depleting your adrenal glands, just like I was. And if taken at the wrong times, it could be really disrupting your deep sleep at night. So without going down the rabbit hole on all things sleep, which I will do in relation to specific areas over the coming weeks, in this episode, I'd like to share with you how you can use caffeine safely and effectively as a really powerful nootropic for enhancing cognitive function but without compromising your ultimate superpower, sleep. Now, I'm often asked questions such as um, whether there is a cutoff point during the day at which you shouldn't drink coffee and why some people seem to be able to drink an espresso after dinner and still fall asleep. And the short answer to questions like this is that while caffeine too late in the day will affect our sleep to a degree, even if we're not aware of it, if a group of people drink the same standardized amount of coffee, they will in fact react differently. And the research shows that each person's unique genetic makeup determines to what degree a given amount of caffeine is going to affect that individual. Um, Now, generally speaking, the half-life of caffeine is somewhere around five to six hours. So if you drink a cup of coffee at five o'clock in the afternoon, around half of that is likely to be circulating in your body by the time you fall asleep at 10 or 11 o'clock at night. However, this is one area where we all differ. So some people metabolize caffeine quickly, while others will metabolize it more slowly. Some people will show a greater sensitivity to the stimulating effects of caffeine, while others will need higher amounts to feel an effect. 
So you might be thinking, well, what is it that affects the way our bodies process caffeine? And specifically, scientists have isolated two genes that play a major part in this. So to understand this a bit better, we need a basic grasp of how our bodies process caffeine. Now, caffeine doesn't accumulate in our body. Instead, it gets broken down in the liver. And the liver enzymes responsible for metabolizing caffeine are called cytochrome P450 enzymes. Now, one of these enzymes is a key enzyme called CYP1A2. And this is responsible for inactivating about 95% of all ingested caffeine. And your ability to produce this enzyme is coded for by the CYP1A2 gene. And this is where variations come in. So different people have different versions of the CYP1A2 gene. And these genetic variations determine how active the CYP1A2 enzyme is in each person. So this polymorphism divides people into one of two groups, the fast metabolizers and the slow metabolizers of caffeine. So an individual who produces a very active version of the CYP1A2 enzyme will metabolize caffeine quickly. And in these individuals, caffeine is likely to have a shorter lasting and milder effect throughout the body. In contrast to this, a person with a less active version of this CYP1A2 enzyme will break down caffeine more slowly and also retain it in the body for longer and therefore experience longer lasting and more pronounced effects. Now, knowing how your body processes caffeine can help you determine the amount of caffeine to drink in a day and also the time at which to stop drinking it. So as a general rule, I would advise um, avoiding caffeine after around 12 to 2 p.m., uh, particularly if you don't want it to affect your production of melatonin in the evening and your ability to both fall asleep and get enough deep sleep. Um, more about deep sleep and the structure of sleep in future episodes. The second point to note here is that your genetic polymorphism will also affect the binding of caffeine to receptors in your brain. And this will in turn influence how strongly you experience the effects of caffeine. So to uncover this, we need to look at how caffeine affects the central nervous system and how genetics affect this. Now, caffeine has a similar structure to a compound known as adenosine. And adenosine is a compound in the body that binds to adenosine receptors in the brain. When adenosine binds to these receptors, it leads to a chain of events that basically reduce the effects of certain neurotransmitters that can be stimulatory. So things like dopamine in the brain. And this in turn produces the sensation of feeling tired and creates what we call sleep pressure, which is the desire to go to sleep. Now, because caffeine is similar in structure to adenosine, it is able to bind to the adenosine receptors in place of the adenosine itself. And when this happens, it increases feelings of alertness and the individual is then less aware of the buildup of adenosine, which is still building up in the brain. And this explains why after consuming caffeine, you feel less tired, more alert, and you have increased concentration. Adenosine receptors exist in different forms, and specifically adenosine A2 receptors are key to the stimulating effects of caffeine, which brings us to the ADORA2 gene. Now, certain versions of this gene have been specifically linked to the effects of caffeine on sleep quality, 
and insomnia risk. And a polymorphism of the adenosine receptor, um, namely ADORA2A, is more likely to be found in those who self-report as being caffeine sensitive. So those are people who feel the stimulatory effects a little bit more and also sometimes will experience um, feelings of anxiety um, after consuming caffeine. Now, what we've found is that people with high habitual caffeine consumption typically don't carry this ADORA2A genotype. And that's why you may find that your friend or your partner can seemingly drink five cups of coffee per day without feeling as though it compromises their sleep. However, deep sleep can actually be heavily impacted by caffeine, even if they're not feeling as though it is, because circulating caffeine impacts the production of melatonin in the brain. And this in turn affects our ability to both fall asleep quickly, which is also known as sleep latency, and also access the deep regenerative sleep that is really crucial for our physical renewal, our hormonal regulation, and our growth. So without deep sleep, you're more likely to get sick, you're more likely to feel depressed, and also gain an unhealthy amount of weight. So you might be thinking, well, this is all fine, but how can I use this information? And my advice is generally to avoid caffeine after around 12 to 2 p.m. If you're feeling tired, then something that can work really well is what I call the nap al espresso, which is where you drink a shot of espresso coffee around sort of 1.30 to 2 p.m. and then find somewhere comfortable, put on some headphones and listen to some binaural beats to chill out and then take a nap for around sort of 20 to 25 minutes. I recommend that you set an alarm to wake you up after about 25 minutes because otherwise you risk falling into a deep sleep. And as you start to then move into a deeper sleep, unless you sleep for, for 90 minutes or effectively a full sleep cycle, then you're quite likely to feel groggy on waking up. Um, but after about 20 to 30 minutes, depending on your genetic sensitivity and processing, the caffeine should be hitting your system quite nicely. And then you'll be good to go for another kind of four to five hours of productivity and effectiveness all afternoon. It's not something that you necessarily need to do every day. Um, you can just sort of save that for days when you feel um, particularly tired or maybe your um, previous night's sleep was a bit impaired. And you can experiment with the exact timing of your nap and the dose of caffeine, including how long before the nap you consume the caffeine to get the perfect combination for you. Um, and there'll be a little bit of trial and error around it unless you've tested your genetics and you know what your sensitivities and processing are. I also suggest that you do track your sleep. And I think keeping a sleep journal of things that affect your sleep can be really powerful as well to really give you insights, in, insight, sorry, into what's affecting the way you sleep and how refreshed you feel on waking. And you can do this either using a free app, um, something like Sleep Cycle, I find very good. Um, or if you want greater accuracy, uh, then I would recommend using a wearable device. And my favorite is by far and away is the Aura Ring. Um, and I'll link to that in the show notes. But you can also get your DNA tested to discover your genotype. And that can really help you to understand how to optimize your health, not just in relation to caffeine metabolism, but also um, in relation to a number of other areas. So including aligning your circadian rhythm and discovering whether you are, in fact, more of a night owl or a morning person, um, understanding the right nutrition for you in terms of the right macronutrient percentages. So carbohydrate sensitivity, fat sensitivity, and increased needs for things like omega-3 um, or 
other types of vitamins and minerals. And you can also find out where your body might need further support in terms of your underlying detoxification pathways, your methylation pathways, and your antioxidant production, and so much more. And importantly, your DNA can also tell you about how the caffeine metabolism interacts with your vitamin D receptor gene and whether or not that caffeine consumption can have an impact on your bone density. And this is super important, um, especially for postmenopausal women. And if you'd like to find out more about that and how to optimize the expression of your genetics, then you can watch a free online masterclass um, where I talk all about it uh, by going to, basically, if you go to this link, bit.ly forward slash DNA masterclass, um, you'll find it there. Or you can send me an email and I'll hook you up to it or even a direct message on Instagram. Um, you can find me there um, at Angela S. Foster. So I hope you really enjoyed this episode and I would love to hear more about the content that you would like me to cover. So please reach out to me on social media or send me an email to Angela, AngelaFosterPerformance.com. I may take a little bit of time to get back to you um, as I do receive quite a few, but I personally read every email and I will definitely reply to you. And alternatively, as I've said, you can feel free to DM me on my Instagram and at Angela S. Foster or even join my free Facebook group, High Performance Health. Thanks for listening. Remember to review and subscribe. You can grab the show notes, the resources and highlights of everything Angela mentioned over at AngelaFosterPerformance.com. You can also snatch up plenty of other goodies, including the highly helpful Angela Recommends page, which is a list of everything she personally recommends to optimize your mind, body and lifestyle.